When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 62 of Podcast Royal. Boy, do we have a great episode for you. We're going to get into more details about the Platinum Jubilee, including performers and the Platinum Pudding. We see the Queen more than we have in months. I love it. And William and Kate have a red carpet moment at the premiere of Top Gun Maverick. Plus, Fergie is writing so many books that'll make your head spin. And we have a fantastic interview with none other than Kenzie Schofield of To Die For Daily. Let's dig in. It's episode 62. How are you and what are you into this week, my lovely Jessica? Hey, I'm doing great this week. I'm in a a good mood today. We had a little bit of sunshine, a little bit of rain this afternoon, and um, it's it's good weather here. So how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It is, uh, yeah, the weather doesn't know what to do with itself out there. I think it's raining at the moment, but um, it seems as though it's going to stop soon. So yeah, yeah, it's been a good day. I also think I may be going on a little bit of like less sleep this week. Maybe that's why I'm in a giggly mood too. I may just be tired, but delirious. (laughs) So no, this week I'm into a couple of things. So first of all, um, I am just soaking up all of the upcoming festivities celebrating the Platinum Jubilee. It's next week. I am so excited. Um, I'll actually be traveling for work most of the week next week, but I do plan to catch as much as possible in my downtime. So I'll be following along like I'm sure most of our listeners will. Um, I know we're going to talk about it on the pod and I just can't wait to see what's going to be happening all around the UK, you know, to mark this really major milestone for her majesty. So that's first off what I'm definitely into. Um, The other thing, and I'm going to go ahead and just say this, this is not an ad and I've seen ads for this all over the place, but I fell into, I guess, the the trap of the ad and I tried this new soda. It's like a non-traditional soda, I guess, or a healthier version of soda. Um, But have you heard of Olipop, Rachel? I have not. I don't usually do healthy versions of anything. Although I will say that I am on I diet is the wrong word because that's such a negative connotation, but I am very much eating healthier. So I'm avoiding all soft drinks and sodas right now. Well, I have been seeing this all over the internet um, and it's showing up in grocery stores and I've seen some ads for it um, and and other people have been talking about it. And I was super skeptical to try it too. First of all, it is pricey. Um, And I gave up soda a few years ago, cold turkey, like all of your traditional soda I have not had in forever. Um, And and I'm like you, if I'm going to have something like that, I generally don't want a healthier version of soda. They never taste as good. <laughs> um, but I was out, I was at the grocery store and I decided to try this and it was actually really good. So they've got a lot of different flavors. My favorite so far has been the grape soda flavor. I know grape can be kind of polarizing. You either love it or you hate it. I love it. Um, they have a really good root beer, uh, classic cola. There's an orange one that tastes kind of like sun-kissed, um, but they're actually really good. They've got minimal ingredients. They've only got a couple grams of sugar in each can. So, you know, if you do find yourself in the mid afternoon and you're just slumping and you need to pick me up, this is definitely not an everyday treat at the price point, but Olipop is a really good alternative. Um, I, I mean, it's my new favorite treat right now. I can't get down with grape flavored stuff. Everything just tastes, you remember Dimetop that we had to take when we were kids, when we were sick, everything that's grape just tastes like Dimetop to me, that medicine. Maybe I was a weird kid, but I never disliked the taste of medicine. Never? No, like all like, you know, like, I mean, I don't remember having to have it that much, but every time I had to have like cough syrup or something like 
the taste never bothered me. I always thought it was kind of good. Okay. This is a total <laughs> aside and listeners are going to be like, what are y'all talking about? But, um, amoxicillin, the pink. So I, I had <laughs> chronic ear infections as a kid. And so I had to have ear tubes all the time and I had to have amoxicillin all the time. That stuff tastes pretty good. I got to tell you, but Dimetap, not so much. Huh? Wasn't it always the bubblegum flavored? Yes, it was yeah, good. Yeah. Cause if you had like strep throat or something as a kid, you know, your mom would have to give it to the school nurse or something and they would call you in, you'd go take your medicine or whatever. And I always thought it was good. It was a, a fun little that break. Was good. <laughs> the Dimetap, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a minute since I've had any, but I think that was for cough and I did not like that. And it was grape flavored. And so now everything grape flavored just reminds me of Dimetap. So, okay, but well- don't don't try the grape olipop then I loved it maybe you would like uh like the orange is really good there's a strawberry vanilla um root beer is really good if you like root beer so root beer I'm like I'm hit or miss like sometimes I really want a root beer and then sometimes it's not for me but probably go with the classic cola so I'll have to try that But as for what I'm into this week, okay, first of all, making this a royal podcast again, I want to say happy fourth wedding anniversary to the Sussexes a couple of days ago, five days ago, we're recording this on May 24th. Also over the weekend, I bought my British Vogue with the queen on the cover. I have not read it yet, but it's sitting over there. I'm looking at it right now across the room ready to read. It's nice and thick and I can't wait to get into it. And I cannot leave this segment without wishing my beautiful mom, the OG royal family lover, if you will, a happy, slightly bladed birthday. Obviously I've wished her a happy birthday off the pod. It was last Saturday. So I love you so much, mom. And thank you for introducing me to the royal family, first of all, and for being one of our very first listeners of podcast Royal. So love you, mom. We had a great day, by the way. She and I are going to four different concerts across the South this summer. We're, we're everywhere. So she got some good birthday gifts. Well, that sounds like fun. You know, I was actually celebrating my mom this last weekend. So for Mother's Day weekend, um, I made reservations for us to go to a spa, but they didn't have any appointments available until this past weekend. So um, we went to a spa and had facials together on Saturday and we went out to lunch and we did some shopping in Atlanta. Um, So we had a good time together this weekend as well. So we were both celebrating. That's awesome. I love that. Well, let's talk fashion. So what is your fashion pick of the week? Okay, so I know listeners are expecting me to reference that Top Gun look of Kate's, but that's actually not my fashion pick of the week this time. So I have to spotlight the royal ladies in pink hues for all of the outdoor garden events this past week. So first of all, I loved the Duchess of Cambridge wearing that stunning coral coat dress by Amelia Wickstead and the matching suede pumps. I mean, that was so beautiful. I also loved Her Majesty um, attending the Chelsea Flower Show. She had that bright pink coat. It was over this floral dress. And then Sophie Wessex, of course, she was first at the garden party in a floral dress. And then at Chelsea Flower Show in like a pink pantsuit. It looked yeah. uh, it looked kind of like a lightweight linen blend. But anyway, I loved the pink matching looks that all the ladies had and pink is a favorite color of mine. I love spring. I love flowers and I love parties. So there you go. <laughs> it was a win for me on all levels. I thought they all looked really lovely. Yeah, that is a great uh, through line, that color. And I mean, just Kate took my breath away in that Amelia Wick said, I also want to mention in here, I know this is Jessica's fashion pick of the week, but I have to throw in here. So Kate was, and I don't know the designer, when they went to Scotland, this was right after we recorded the last episode. So this was a solid two weeks ago. She wore this monochromatic blue look that I love. Do you remember this? I this do. was a couple of weeks ago. She looked great. Um, Vampire's Wife is a brand that is just becoming a royal favorite. This time it was Beatrice that wore it. Did you see the floral patterned gown at the Gallop Through History preview? Yes. What did you think? So um, I liked the dress I thought Beatrice looked very pretty in the dress I will say it I still go back to the look that Kate's worn in the past that green one and the hot pink one Mm -hmm. are like 
top tier favorites from that line. And for whatever reason, I always get it mixed up. I get confused if it's Vampire's wife or Vampire's daughter, and I'm always saying it wrong. So I've got. Oh, is it Vampire's daughter? I don't know. Vampire's wife. I think you're right. Okay, hold on a minute. Now I've got it. Okay, now I've got to look it up. One time a publication got it wrong. I think it was Vanity Fair and they had the wrong one printed on their website. And ever since then, it's confused the heck out of me. Okay, it's Vampire's Wife. Vampire's Wife. Um, But I did like the look. Um, You know, again, I like, I really like the green and the hot pink, but the floral was very pretty too. And the last look I want to mention is... Um, we're going to talk in a minute with Kinsey about polka dots, but Megan came out for polo this past weekend in kind of a 1940s-ish. A lot of people are saying it's very pretty woman inspired, but I don't know. I it, it gives me 40s vibes. And I actually loved Megan's lip color so much in this look that I DM'd Daniel Martin, her makeup artist on Instagram. So far, he has not yet written me back because I need, I, I hope he will, because I need to know that lip color it's like the berry pop and I thought she looked beautiful I liked her sunglasses I was trying to figure out was this was it a themed event is that why she was dressed that way I'm not sure because Abigail Spencer was there in polka dots too so yeah, I don't they were know. like matching um so I and I can't I don't know I, I feel like I just was very confused by that I really I didn't love the whole look I didn't really like the shorts um to be honest, but it felt like it felt costumey a little bit for me. So I was trying to figure out like, I don't know. I loved it. Coordinated I loved it. Attire was. Um, I also wanted to point out while we're on fashion, Beatrice was also at Chelsea flower show and she was not in pink, but she did. Um, she did show up with Edo and she had on this long, it's like a white dress with light blue flowers, like a floral pattern all over it. And she and her hubs were matching. He was in a navy suit and he had this light blue tie and a white shirt. And so they looked really nice together as well. If listeners go out there, you can kind of, um, I guess, Google her outfit and you'll see what they had on. Beatrice is really slaying the game lately. Like she's, yeah. she, is, she is not here to play. She has come with fashion forward looks. Like she's serving. I that All of that was so Gen Z speak. And I just want to, like I'm not a Gen Z person, so I'm I'm being a total Gen Z cool poser over here. But it sounded okay when it came out. But anyway, Beatrice is looking more beautiful than ever. Motherhood suits her. I think we said that on the last episode. So, all right, let's move into segment two, the Royal Rundown. So we're gonna try something a little different today. Shake it up, if you will. We keep we're trying new things all the time, and let's break down, shall we, the headlines by person. So naturally, let's start with the queen. Okie dokie. Well, we did see the queen out and about at the Royal Horse Show on Friday, May 13th. So Her Majesty turned up to see three of her ponies take part in the race, watching from her Range Rover. Um, And then later on, she did walk down to her seat and sat right next to her youngest son, Edward. And then in a wonderful surprise, she actually joined Edward for a visit to the London Underground, and she bought the first ticket for the Elizabeth Line, which of course was named in her honor. So Edward was on tap, you know, to carry out the engagement solo, um, but she surprised everyone and joined him, and she looked bright and happy in yellow. It was her, I believe, third visit um, in five days uh, publicly. And so I'm excited about seeing her this much. And I have to say this yellow look was a really close second for my fashion pick of the week. I really, really liked it. I thought it was beautiful. She had, again, another floral dress underneath the yellow coat and the matching hat. And I just like the bright colors that she always wears. I'm not a bright colors person personally, but she pulls it off really well. Oh, she looked absolutely beautiful. I, I'm getting, we're getting spoiled by seeing the queen this much. I absolutely love it. And And she looks, yeah, she looks, she looks phenomenal. I mean, and she, she looked at the Royal Windsor Horse Show. She just looks so happy, like jubilant Mm -hmm. even. And so not only are we seeing her, but we're seeing her looking so happy. 
and and that makes me happy. So after missing the state opening of Parliament, we obviously were delighted to see her make it to the Royal Windsor Horse Show. She spent most of the weekend of May 12th through 15th there. Uh, she attended alongside Edward the Gallop Through History event with presenters like Tom Cruise, Helen Mirren, who of course has played her on screen, and musical performances. And uh, I love this. She took to the red carpet to massive applause from attendees. It was absolutely beautiful. And details about the Platinum Jubilee continue to emerge. I think this, is this our last? Yeah, this is our last episode before the Jubilee. So we're going to be back on June 8th with the full Jubilee recap and a really exciting guest to break it down with. But we learned the performers for the Platinum Party at the Palace, Alicia Keys, Duran Duran, Queen, and Adam Lambert, and the show's closer, Diana Ross, are just a few of the performers slated to play June 4th live on BBC One. It has been confirmed that Diana Ross will close the show with a medley of her greatest hits in honor of Her Majesty. Ooh. Well, speaking of the Platinum Jubilee, we have... A winner, folks. So Camilla and <laughs> Dame Mary Berry have announced the Platinum Jubilee pudding winner, which everyone here knows I'm excited about. And the winner is Jenna Melvin and her lemon Swiss roll and amaretti trifle. So she beat out 5,000 other entrants for the prize. I mean, you've got to be really skilled to win out 5,000 entries. Can you believe that? No. And I have to tell you, I don't, Jessica, I want to bake this, but I don't even know half of these ingredients. This is a tough one. That's well, probably I, saw, she's done. I saw a photo of it online and I mean, it truly, it looks like a winner. I personally was really happy that a trifle won because I love trifle. Um, and if I had entered this contest, I definitely would have gone that route as well and made a trifle. Um, but it consists of a lemon curd Swiss roll on the bottom, jelly, lemon custard, amaretti biscuits, mandarin coolie, fresh whipped cream, candied peel, chocolate shards, and crushed amaretti biscuits on top. So, I mean, oh my gosh, lemon trifle with chocolate shards. I mean, I cannot imagine how amazing this must taste. I'm Wait. sure I have, and it's beautiful to look at too. I am, I have no doubt it tastes amazing. I have no idea what Mandarin coolies is. I don't know what that means. So I'm like, here I am. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get back in the kitchen. I'm going to bake. I'm going to bake the platinum jubilee pudding winner and i don't even know i don't even know what some of these ingredients are so i it's over my head but i'm well, i might i might still try i feel like there are a lot of people out there who are going to make this recipe and it's probably going to flop because it does sound <laughs> super complicated uh, but i'm sure the ones that the royal chefs are recreating for the platinum jubilee are going to be absolutely delicious <laughs> oh no doubt so i mean obviously not the most relatable of dishes or maybe the easiest to make. I, I'm still going to try it. I, I don't know. Where does one find Mandarin Cooley? I don't know. I guess I'll find out. Um, the dessert, by the way, will be served during lunches at the Platinum Jubilee weekend, where I'm sure they'll look beautiful and taste great. Mine will definitely not look beautiful. That's not what I go for when I bake. But if it tastes edible, then I'll call it a win. I, I, I'm, this is a challenge. It's a Mount Everest of baking for me. This is totally random, but as we've been talking, I've just been noticing how many P's are associated with this Jubilee. We've got the oh my gosh. party at the palace. And you're the just palace. noticing that I can barely get it out <laughs> every time I say that. Like I literally struggle platinum party at the palace. Like I can't say it that quickly. I struggle. I've been struggling with this for weeks. Well, so in related news, the queen has loaned several pieces of her personal jewelry to the Royal Collection Trust for an exhibit this summer. And I was super excited to hear about this. And I was thinking, you know, Rachel, are you going to be in the UK when this is on exhibit? I was just about to say this. So yes, <laughs> I am. Yes, I am. But so we are going to London first. We'll be there from, um, well, we fly out the 1st of July, but we don't land until this overnight, the 2nd. 
So we will, I'm so upset about this. We will already have moved on to Edinburgh by the time that this opens. So it opens on July 7th. We will not be in London anymore. So I will literally miss this by one day. We were leaving London on July 6th. So I'm so sad about this. Otherwise I would be there with bells on. Yeah, so it's going to be on display from July 7th to September 26th, and it will include the Queen's Norman Hartwell design coronation dress, her purple silk velvet robe of estate, and now five brooches will be on display at Windsor Castle, and the brooches represent emblems of the Commonwealth. I mean, there are so many incredible exhibitions happening right now. It's, it's you know, crazy trying to you know, coordinate seeing things like that. I I really hope that I get a trip to the UK on my calendar soon so I can catch some of these. They're super exciting and, you know, it's just not the same seeing it in a photo online. Yeah, no, the, I mean, the, look, our, our schedule is so jam packed in like normally, like when I just went to the Dominican Republic, I didn't have a single thing planned. I had no plans. All I did was lay by the pool. That's how I like to vacation this trip. I'm super excited for it. We are boom, 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 boom. Like literally we land sun. This, this might be a mistake, but we land Saturday morning, like after an overnight flight. And that afternoon, we're going to be on a double-decker tour bus. And literally, we're nonstop until July 10th. And we're going to, I think, I mean, I feel, so I'm going with my middle school best friend, Stephanie. Stephanie, on the off chance you're listening, hi, I love you. I'm so sorry that I'm dragging you to all of these royal exhibits because I just can't get enough. And I'm like, you don't have to come. But she's being a great friend and coming. So, um, yeah, there's so much going on right now. I mean, this is the time, obviously, to to book a trip to the UK. It is wild. Let me just warn you, when I went, um, you know, a few days in, the jet lag did hit me. So if you find yourself traveling from one place to the other, like maybe at night or something, try to catch um, a few, a few naps on the, on the trip. So you'll be yeah when you get to your next place. Yeah. I'm the hope is that I will sleep overnight and, but we'll see what happens. So, all right, let's move into William and Kate for our next block. So the Royal landscape is shifting and William is being asked to do more major duties as the queen is attending less and less events. And it's just honestly impossible for Charles to be everywhere all at once. So for the first time, her majesty asked William to represent her following the death of a foreign ruler. And the Duke of Cambridge traveled to the UAE last week for the funeral of his highness, Sheikh Khalifa bin Zayed al-Nahan. I think I got that actually president of the United Arab Emirates and ruler of Abu Dhabi. So while there, William met with Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nahan, who has been appointed as president of the United Arab Emirates and the queen likely didn't attend because of ongoing mobility issues. Charles was in Canada on tour at the time. Speaking of William, for his upcoming 40th birthday, the Royal Mint unveiled a design yesterday for a five pound commemorative coin with William's face on it, the number 40 and his royal cipher of W. So this is the first time William has been featured solo on a coin, though he did appear alongside Kate on a commemorative piece in celebration of their wedding in 2011. I saw a picture of that coin. It looks really, really nice. The new one that they out. Um, it does. It does. And, and you know, his so much is going on in June. Oh my gosh. We've already had that interview with Royal, jo- Royal Jobson, Robert Jobson <laughs> about uh, William's 40th birthday. So take a listen to that. That was a couple episodes ago, but um, I mean, June is going to be huge. Jubilee, William's 40th, a lot going on. Well, speaking of William on Friday, May 13th at 10 59 AM, Every radio station in the UK heard two familiar voices, and they were the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. So they took over the Mental Health Minute, um, and they talked specifically about loneliness. Uh, But I thought it was interesting. The couple introduced themselves simply as William and Catherine. So no formal titles, and we're hearing that's how they prefer to be known going forward. Um, less titles, more their first name. So we'll see how that kind of plays out, you know, when they do more events and how they introduce themselves. 
And then we saw William and Kate step out for another glamorous red carpet premiere. Of course, we remember the James Bond premiere of a few months ago, this time for Top Gun Maverick on Thursday, May 19th. So this actually wasn't the first time the couple saw the movie. They actually reportedly took in a special screening at the invitation of the movie star, of course, who else? Tom Cruise, after he heard William was a fan of the 1986 original. So you mentioned this briefly and your fashion pick, but Kate stunned as she always does. First of all, her arms. Okay. Like Kate is not missing arm day. She is not playing. She wowed in a black floor length Roland Murray gown with a white off the shoulder neckline. Okay. And did you catch William's shoes? Because they had little, they had helicopters on them. Did you see those? No. Okay. So I feel like when I was looking at the photos, I was just totally like looking at Kate's dress and her hair and I totally missed this little detail. I did hear people talking about it, but I I need to go back and look at the photos. I haven't seen it. You have to. He's got some helicopters on his shoes. He definitely does. trying to like does he listen to our podcast does he want us to do like a men's fashion pick of the week or something (laughs) of course he listens to our podcast so we obviously need to we did our fashion pick of the week so now we need to do our men's fashion pick of the week and their Williams shoes I mean bold 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 I love and obviously you know he learned from his wife very event appropriate Kate always dresses properly for the event she's at if you're going to, if you got helicopter shoes, what better time <laughs> to bring your helicopter shoes out than the Top Gun premiere? So I did want to ask you while we're on this, what did you think of Kate's dress? I loved it. I mean, I think I, I thought it, it didn't have the wow factor moment that the uh, Jenny Packham gold sparkly dress, James Bond dress did for me. Like I didn't, I didn't see her and go, oh, wow. But it, she's beautiful. I mean, and, and it's, it's a little bit daring, you know, I love, I love a little, you know, I love a little shoulder from Kate. She just, I mean, she, her body is like, I don't like to talk about other women's bodies, but like she is gym inspiration all day. Like, I mean, I had the same reaction as you. I, I felt it wasn't the wow factor of the James Bond dress, but it was beautiful. It was classic. And I thought it was totally appropriate for the event. So I really liked it. Agreed. She looked beautiful. So let's move on to Fergie. Um, we want to talk about her for a second. Sarah Ferguson, as she's also known, is about to be a very busy woman. Um, she is actually writing, get this, 22 young adult novels with Australian publisher Serenity Press. And they'll draw on her personal experiences, specifically with mental health and eating disorders. So She was actually quoted saying, I wanted to share my story of growing up with anxiety and an eating disorder, along with witnessing firsthand the effects of generational trauma. For me, it is always present and it all started at the loss of my mother. Um, That's the end of her quote. So her first young adult book, Demon's Land, will be released at the end of June. And it follows her debut novel, which we all remember from last year, Heart of a Compass, that came out last August. So, I mean, man, she is going to be really busy writing 22 books. That's a lot of books. (laughs) Even even if they are YA books, that's a ton of books. I don't know that, you know, and, and I'm not, you know, I've never written a book, but I feel like if I was, even if I was a writer, I don't know that I could commit to 22 upfront like that. I mean, that's a big commitment. That's, that's a lot. And so, um, I will look forward to reading the book. We'll have, I mean, look, obviously, uh, Duchess of York, the invitation is always open to come on the show. We have a lot of Royal authors come on here. Come on, we'll chat, but my gosh, 22 books. That is, oh, that's a lot, but I look forward to reading. I don't read much YA, but I will definitely be reading Demon's Land because I feel like I I read Heart for a Compass. I enjoyed Heart for a Compass. So let me read Demon's Land. So, okay. Anything else for the Royal Rundown before we move into a really brief Royals around the world? I don't think so. I think we covered it this week. Awesome. So we haven't done Royals around the world in a while, but we have a story that I think is worthy of making the cut. So Spain's former King Juan Carlos has been living in, speaking of the UAE, in a self-imposed exile in the UAE 
more specifically Abu Dhabi, for two years amid allegations of tax fraud and money laundering. But Spain's royal palace confirmed that at last he will return to his home country for a brief visit to attend a yachting event and visit his family before returning back to the UAE. The visit, quote, is part of His Majesty King Juan Carlos's desire to travel frequently to Spain to visit family and friends, organize his personal life and his place of residence in areas of a private nature, as expressed in the letter addressed to His Majesty the King on March 5th, the statement from the palace concluded. So not surprisingly, so the visit is either over or almost over. I think he's on his, probably about to be on his way back to the UAE, but obviously um, there's controversy around this because, you know, it's kind of like he's having his cake and eating it too. Um, he's been in exile and now he's just going to apparently start coming back whenever he wants. But um, I, I think there were protesters at one of the events he was at. So yeah, this is a, a confounding story, um, but we'll continue to follow it because will he ever face charges for the tax fraud and the money laundering? I don't know. Or is he just going to go back and forth as he pleases. I guess that's what kings do. I don't know. So yeah, there's that yeah. story. Any, any thoughts on that? That's really interesting. I have not dug into the details of that story. Um, but yeah, I think we should, we should follow this along and keep reporting on it. We shall, we shall. So for segment four, it was our honor this week to talk all things royal. And I'm talking all things royal with Kenzie Schofield. I love this interview. I know you did too. Listeners, take a listen. We are thrilled to have on the show today Kenzie Schofield, Los Angeles-based journalist, royal expert, and creator of the To Die For daily podcast and blog. The show has seen guests like Princess Diana's vocal coach, Stuart Pierce, Richard Fitzwilliams talking about Hollywood and the royal family, and recently a totally compelling episode with an astrologer dissecting the charts of William, Kate, Harry, and Meghan. I loved that episode. So a little about Kinsey. Kinsey got her start in reality TV on E's Party Monsters Cabo, where she competed against eight other aspiring event planners and has been an entertainment reporter for E, Radar Online, Young Hollywood, so many other outlets. We'd be here all night if I told you all of them. We're super excited to break down so much royal potpourri with you today, Kinsey. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Obviously, I did not make it as an event planner. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but here you are doing the Lord's work of royal reporting. So uh, you, you're you right where you need to be. That's the truth. Amen. I just love that I'm with two fellow Southerners. I, you know, as I listen to your podcast, your your accents, the way that you clearly love each other and finish each other's thoughts and sentences. Mm -hmm. It's just so nice to see girl power like that. Girl power, Southern girl power. Here we are. You're, you're among friends here, Kenzie. Welcome to our tribe. Thank Definitely. you. <laughs> yeah, we're excited to be talking to you and uh, we're really happy to break down all things royal with you today. So to get started, we would really love to know your royal origin story. Can you tell us how you got into the royal family? Absolutely. Um, like I said before, I am a Southern girl. I grew up in Plano, Texas, and uh, I was homeschooled for the majority. I was homeschooled until college. Um, I did wow. do a little elementary school, but I was really, really sheltered. And so I was, you know, I joke that I actually found out what adultery was, and I actually found out what divorce was through Prince Charles and Princess Diana. You know, other, <laughs> other people learn about it, you know, because their friends are going through divorce or because they are allowed to watch Dallas. Oh I wasn't God. allowed to do any of those things. Um, and so I found out because my mother loved Princess Diana. Um, you know, we had Andrew Morton's book near the on the coffee table growing mm -hmm. up. And um, and so I just have always loved her. But then a few years ago, this sounds horrible because I should be married by now. But a few years ago, my fiance, two years to be exact, my fiance proposed to me at Kensington Palace. And that's when I was like, you know what, I want this to be my life and I'm going to put all of my energy into covering the royal family and sharing my love for the royal family with other people. I do have to stress though that we've been in the middle of a pandemic. I am still engaged. I'm sorry there has that is been okay. a wedding. <laughs> that is a keeper but, yeah. that proposes to you at Kensington Palace. I know. That is a <laughs> 
I love that. I love that. I support that so much. I love that so much. And I grew up with a mom that was a Princess Diana fan as well. And so we're right there with you. And, you know, I've listened to every episode of To Die For Daily. It is truly one of the juiciest royal podcasts out there right now. Phenomenal guests. I, I just need more episodes. So just putting that out there. But Oh, I know- I'm going to work on it. Thank you for saying that. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm obsessed. So what gave you the idea to launch the show? Because you already had the blog. So what gave you the idea? I remember when, you know, Jessica and I were, were just getting started in podcasting and it's, it's tough to take that leap. So what made you take that leap? Well, the original concept was years before it actually came to fruition. I wanted to do a podcast called in defense of Meghan Markle mm-hmm. and then Megxit happened. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I can defend her anymore. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And so I was really struggling with what direction to go in because the initial idea was do a podcast, you know, talk about Megan and how, you know, I feel like maybe she's being mistreated. And then, you know, everything kind of kind of fell out underneath me when they decided to leave. And I started reevaluating everything, watching the situation closely. And honestly, I know this is kind of a lame answer, but I just prayed about it. And I'm telling you somewhere in between sleep and awake, after praying about it, I got the name to die for daily and it, everything kind of fell into play. So, you know, I, um, that, that's really all I can, that the only way I can explain it is, you know, I knew I loved Diana. I knew Megan and Harry reignited my interest and passion for the Royal family, but I didn't know if the Harry and Megan direction was the right way to go because I didn't really understand what was going on, but I mm. knew I loved Diana. So I decided to pursue the, pursue things in that direction. And, um, the show just happened because I was doing interviews for the blog and I thought I'm going to throw these on a podcast and see how that how well they do well you really are at home here Kenzie because Jessica and I are both Christians and I really just appreciate people proclaiming their faith like that and I mean I just prayed about you know we're recording this on the day uh, speaking of Texas which is where you're from it's a horrible event that's happened in Texas today at the elementary school in Uvalde outside of I actually lived in San Antonio for a couple of years and um, you know, I've, I've been praying up until the moment we started recording. So you really are at home here and I appreciate you saying that. So I love it. Absolutely. And yet my, my heart goes out to those families. I can't imagine what that, what they're going through right now. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, puts all of this in a whole lot of context, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, Okay. We were assuming that your favorite member of the royal family was Diana. Um, I had not heard that you were originally planning to launch a podcast about Megan until now. So that is super interesting as well. Uh, but but we'll talk about Diana for a second. So is she your favorite royal? And if so, what is it about her in particular that really compels you? Without a doubt, it's Diana. And you know what? I think that there is, um, I think, you know, I hate to to say it, but there's an insecurity about me that I can relate to with her, um, a loneliness about her that I've felt. You know, thankfully I'm not in that position now. But I used to watch Princess Diana documentaries while I was living by myself in this teeny tiny uh, bachelor pat, but like what are they called, bachelor studios in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Um, and I, you know, it was the kind where I had to like wash my underwear in the sink because I didn't have a washer and dryer anywhere mm-hmm. near me. And I had a mini fridge and that was like, it, it was just one room, mini fridge, underwear hanging over the uh, shower curtain. And I was, you know, I was lonely and dating in LA is really difficult and hard. And so I would watch these documentaries about her and my heart aches for her because I could relate relate to her in that way. And so I do think that that's where my... Um, you know, where I really felt like Diana was my tribe, I guess, because I just thought, how in the world could somebody so beautiful, so full of light be rejected in the way that she was and humiliated in the way that she was? I, I That always hurt me. And, and, you know, it's totally relatable when the guys in L.A. are the worst. So right. um, I, right. I, I think that that is really what where my my um, as an adult where I, I made that connection. You know, I think that's, first of all, that's so vulnerable, excuse me, I can't speak of you to say that. And also, I think that's why Diana 
is and was the most famous woman in the world and why she connected so well with people because we've all felt that loneliness at a certain point in our lives and she was vulnerable about it and I I want to point out that Diana passed away 25 years ago this summer that is unbelievable to me the anniversary of her passing that milestone anniversary is coming up in August and you know we're going to dive into some really juicy royal headlines in a moment but I want to make sure listeners know at the top of the show that you have a book coming out this year and that's huge so congratulations that's a massive undertaking it's called R is for Revenge Dress which explores the legacy of Diana through the alphabet and I cannot wait to get my hands on a copy of that. It's out in November, but currently available for pre-order. So how did you come up with that brilliant idea? Because when I heard this idea, I sat back and said, that is the kind of idea that I would have loved to have thought of. So how did you think of it? <laughs> That's so sweet. Um, wow. Uh, I don't, you know what? I noticed over the last 12 months or so, and I'm, I know you guys love the Royal family. One of my favorite things about the Royal family is hearing about the strategies that go behind elevating certain members of the Royal family, how, you know, um, for instance, some stories about Prince William were killed in exchange for negative stories about Prince Harry, because they had to keep Prince William's you know his reputation clean they needed to keep him out of the press but you know maybe somebody in the palace might trade a story well you know what we heard this about prince harry please don't publish that thing about prince william so i've always been fascinated by the stories of what goes on behind the scenes the men in gray suits and how they maintain Mm -hmm. these reputations uh and one thing that i Tina Brown, by the way, you know, I I think we might discuss this later, but one thing she discussed in her book was how aggressive they worked towards elevating Camilla. And you saw this years after Princess Diana's death, uh, certain strategies they did, for instance, um, a big planned photo opportunity where Prince Charles and Camilla are walking out out of a hotel hand in hand together after an event, you know, and just finding out some of these behind the scenes puzzle pieces that the courtiers and the quote unquote men in gray suits, how they manipulate the media, how they perhaps manipulate the public. And I know that that I hate that to use that word, but really they're they're they have an objective and they are doing certain things creating certain events, creating certain meetings, leaking certain stories so that their objective is met. Oh my gosh, I think that's so fascinating. I have a PR background, so of course I think that's fascinating. But I've noticed over the last 12 months that we are seeing a lot of stories about uh, Diana cheating first. And to me, I feel like this is the courtiers, the palace trying to rewrite history Mm -hmm. so that we are more accepting of Camilla. God bless Camilla. She's done an amazing job. She's done her role. And I think all she wants to do is love Prince Charles. They're they're really blessed in that way. But I don't feel like that's the truth. I think it's really unfair. And as I was stewing on the fact that I'm opening up all of these articles about how Diana cheated first, like you said, on the 25th anniversary of her death, yeah, um, I, I, I got frustrated. And so I was like, how, how can I revisit this in a fun way in a kind way and you know how can i defend her and that's what r is for revenge stress is it's it's funny it's cute it's sweet i it's really about her personality how naughty she was how snarky she was and how what how uplifting she was and i just wanted to change the narrative because i feel like right now we're seeing team camilla pushing some some uh, mistruths well that's so unfair because she diana is not here to defend herself right and so that's that's incredibly unfair and i agree with your position on camilla it took me a really long time to come around to camilla one of our earlier episodes is like me reading this essay i'd written it's like painful to listen to now because our early episodes always are just so hard to listen to we were novice podcasters but i mean camilla obviously loves this man she wouldn't have gone through all this grief or did she not but to to tear down diana in the process especially when she's not here to defend herself is 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 very unfair so good for you and i can't wait to read the book thank you 
Yeah, I am super excited too. And you bring up a lot of really good points that I think a lot of people don't think about until you really start digging into the royal family and everything that goes on behind the scenes to kind of coordinate these PR moves. So um, that's just another, uh, a whole nother subject that we could dive into sometime. But I know the Platinum Jubilee is coming up super quickly. Um, so tell us what you're most looking forward to. And we want to know how you're going to celebrate. Oh, absolutely. I am excited about it. In fact, I was one minute late logging on to our podcast episode because I just got a new dress in the mail and I had to put it on my body to see if I needed to return it. I'm going, I leave for um, London on Monday. Oh, and fine. Yeah. And I'll be there for the week. And um, I think I'm most excited about the Derby. I, I, I'm, you know, I don't know whether the queen will show up because of her mobility issues, but the idea of being in the same space as the queen, like gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. And worst case scenario, she sends, you know, Prince William. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, so right? I, don't, I don't know. I think that my obviously my most, most, most um, uh, the, the event I'm looking forward to most is definitely the Derby, but I've also grabbed some touristy tickets too. I'm really, I'm doing one of those bus top tours that has a tea party and it's mm -hmm. like a, a champagne celebration for the Jubilee. And so I'm excited to do that. Um, but I, you know, I just want to see the city. I've seen all of these beautiful photos of the way that the city is decorated. I, I cannot wait to see that in real life mm -hmm. and um, just kind of, celebrate with people that are excited about the th the same things and people that I am. Also, I did book a night in Windsor near the castle mm -hmm. because I just love Windsor. So I'm going to tour Windsor again. I had the greatest tour guide and I won't tell you his name because I don't want him to get in trouble because now now I'm like based he's like basically a source for my site but I had the greatest tour guide the last time I went to Windsor in February of 2020 who gave me all the tea like I said are you guys upset about Harry and Meghan and he's like we're upset about Prince Andrew Harry and Meghan are nothing <laughs> compared to Prince Andrew amen, so, um, amen. <laughs> so uh yeah I'm excited to do Windsor again and I'm really excited for for the Derby Oh my gosh. I didn't realize you were going. I'm, I'm going to London July 1st. And so I'm going to miss obviously the Jubilee, but hopefully everyone will still be riding on that Jubilee high. I cannot wait to hear everything about your experience. Are you, so you're going to the Derby. Are you going to be going to the platinum party at the palace? Any of the other events? I don't think I get to go to the party at the palace because I do believe tickets were only available to people that lived in London or okay. lived in the UK. That's what my understanding was. And honestly, I have a lot of um, TV booked around it. So basically, I've just been trying to book tourist things, touristy things around TV. So if I know I'm going to be on GB News at like 9 a.m. and Fox News at like 11 a.m., then I'm doing like a boat cruise at 3 p.m. before Pierce Morgan at 8 p.m. So really, I'm just wow. like, it's like a puzzle piece or it's like I'm Legos just trying to figure out where I can do things so I don't just go over there and work the entire time. Good for you. I'm going to put a Google alert on your name so I can see all of these appearances happen in, in real I'm time. I'm scared for you, girl. I'm scared. My Google <laughs> My alerts are going to blow up. I can't wait. I can't wait to see all that you're doing. So, you know, you're not the only one with the Royal Book coming out this year. Harry's memoir will hit shelves Ooh. allegedly by the end of 2022. I've heard, I've also heard that maybe it's going to get pushed back because he wants to include a chapter on the Jubilee and everything that happens. So we'll just go with by the end of 2022, allegedly. So from your sources, what can we expect? Is it going to damage the royal family? Is it just going to be about Harry's experience? I've heard a lot of talk about how Camilla might be under fire. Speaking of her from a moment ago, what are you hearing about Harry's book? I'm actually hearing that there's nothing to be worried about. Uh, you know, okay. and I've, I, I'm hearing that in regards to the Sussexes and their PR team and what their ultimate goals are, they want to be compared to Barack and Michelle Obama. They want to be compared, you know, they want to be on the same panel with Mark Zuckerberg. They want to be invited to the same conferences that you might see Bill Gates at. They want to be taken seriously as change makers. And the way to do that is to write a book that says, here's where my trauma happened. Here's where I stumbled or here's where I had problems growing up. And here is how I um, 
overcame that problem or overcame that trauma. You know, I, I truly believe this is going to be a motivational book that he utilizes to elevate himself and to become one of those people that he admires like, you know, Barack Obama. And, you know, he just wants to be cons be able to enter the same room with those people and there'd be no question as to why he's there. He's not just there because of his name or title. He's there because he's got this product that tells his life story and he's overcome adversity. So uh, he wants to lead other people in a positive path. So uh, while I hear that he's going to rip into Camilla and all that stuff, we recently we know that when he met with the queen privately on the way to Invictus Games that he initially met, he was late, first of all, he initially met with Prince Charles, who was kind who gave him a hard time because he was late because Charles and Camilla had an event that they needed to go to that day so Charles walked out early and you know no hard feelings but he needed to go get ready for the event and then Camilla came in and sat down with Harry and Meghan privately for a little while before it was time to visit with the Queen now are you really gonna put yourself in that situation to be face-to-face -face with your you know with your stepmom um, if you are planned to absolutely destroy her in your new book, I don't think you put yourself in that position, you know, yeah. so I just don't believe that it's going to be this hit piece. However, if I am your book publisher, I want people to believe that that could potentially be in there because that's going to drive book sales. Totally. Mm -hmm. So do you think some of the um, reputation building around Camilla could be proactive just in case there's something in the book? I mean, we're seeing that now, aren't we? I think we're going to see a lot of her at Jubilee. You know, the queen coming out saying that she wants Camilla to be queen consort, despite the fact that around their wedding, Prince Charles specifically told the public that she was going to be princess consort upon marrying him and taking, you know, when he inevitably took the throne, which that just, that's one thing that drives me crazy about the royal family in general please don't tell us something and then do something else i mean that's everybody though politicians celebrities I, it's just like we have to get over it but but that that was one thing that irritated me just a little bit you told people at the time she was going to be princess consort so they would allow you to get married and then you change your tune a couple of years later but yeah I, I think we're seeing that right now aside from people they want them wanting people to accept camilla as queen consort i think that we're seeing them elevating her right now with p positive press and publicity just so that it will or could combat anything that prince harry says in his book Hmm. Well, I, I think you've raised some really good points and I agree. I, I can't imagine that he would, I just haven't got that feel from him. Even when he has done interviews and things were said in interviews, he seemed really uncomfortable talking about that kind of stuff. And I just can't imagine that he would tear down his family and his book, but we'll see what happens. Um, while we are on the subject of books, probably the book generating the most buzz right now is the Palace Papers. We said we were going to talk about this one. Rachel and I have both read it. So we'd really like to hear your thoughts on the book and what stood out to you as the juiciest tidbits. I mean, the, to me, the most fun was everything about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, but almost because it felt like the newest information, uh, everything else as Royal Watchers, I'm sure you can relate to this. I was like, I know this story. I've read that before. We you know? said <laughs> the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah. We I was like, this is a lot of... Thing. This is a lot of hype for some information that I've I've known for years, but okay. No, we said the same thing, Kenzie, because we were like, it's just all in one place now. Like instead of being in this article and that article and this book and that book, it's just all condensed into one 500. But there wasn't a whole lot that surprised us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, me neither. I, you know, I, and I, I would say I really did disagree with everything about Carol Middleton. I just... I don't believe that this is a woman that is scheming like Kris Jenner in the middle of her party planning confetti and happy birthday hats that she's got this to-do list of how to how to trap a prince. I'm sorry. I just don't yeah, think that. Yeah, it really made Carol out to be like the ultimate like like behind the scenes like like stage mom like except exactly. instead of the stage it's like you know the royal mom like I, my daughter will be queen I mean I just don't think that, that is I don't think it was that calculated I, I totally agree with you I just felt I feel like they're so clean that you have to turn something into nothing or, or yeah. you have to turn nothing into something I should say but because we 
to be honest, her family is just, they're really well put together. And let's be honest, that is why Prince William was so attracted 100%. to 100%. Yeah, I mean, not just Catherine, who is perfection. I, you know, her beautiful hair. Her, she's got a gorgeous face and a, oh my gosh, her body. But her, he really loves her family and loved being enveloped by her family because they're so, you know, innocent, sweet. Um, they're just good moral compass. And I, yeah. you know, I, how do you how do you write a scandalous book about that? You can't. And people want scandal. Yeah, I thought the Carol part was reaching. And I mean, I like you just said it, you know, it's I think what attracted William to Kate and to her family is just their sanity. That's just after his <laughs> childhood, which sounds insane, which it's it, seriously, they're just so blessedly sane and and calm and even keeled. And that is probably incredibly attractive to a man who grew up with the childhood that he did where, you know, parents are constantly at war, adultery here, adultery there. I mean, the book even goes into how much William knew. He knew way too much for a child to know, I think. I agree. Yeah. And I love Princess Diana, but they were best friends. Princess Diana and Prince William. Yeah. They, they were they were really good friends. And unfortunately, you know, it, it made him mature faster than he probably wanted to or needed to because he was handling all of these adult problems. And then you know, I also think that he might have missed some of just the snuggling and cuddling and just kind of the boring mundane let's get on the couch and watch et I, I don't know how much of that happened for him because of the chaos going on inside of his home and the middletons are like let's just get on the couch and watch football and snack and how cool is that you know yeah i mean there there probably couldn't be anything more attractive to to him not just that kate is so incredibly sane but her family is too and you know i i firmly maintain and i always will that if diana were still alive today the feud between william and harry would not have gone on this long i don't think she would have let it happen i would love to know what you think no i don't think she would have let it happen either i do think she would have been able to relate to Meghan's struggles and would have been a great negotiator in regards to all of that. Here's how I handle it. Also, I mean, I think she could have taught Meghan so much about how to handle this negative press that seemed to weigh her down so much. Meghan was so affected by the negative press and Diana was initially too, but then Diana befriended Richard Kay and Diana befriended Andrew Morton and Diana found a way to manipulate the press so that her side was told her hands were clean of it so nobody at the palace could reprimand her until it was like completely obvious it was her um, but you know she was really good about maneuvering her way around and getting her side of the story out and you saw pieces of that in Megan towards the end of their stay when her friends went to People magazine her anonymous friends I remember that magazine. Mm -hmm. yeah so she was she was catching on towards the end but I honestly like the the strategy that they've got now which is just not talking at all. I do think that Prince Harry, you know, when we were talking about the book, he seems reluctant to be negative about his family in interviews. For instance, when Hoda asked, did, she, did he miss his, his dad and his brother? He, re, he was reluctant to answer that question. I would say from now on, say, I, I really want to focus on the Invictus Games. I really want to focus on the task at hand. Um, you know, please don't ask me about my family. He shouldn't have to say that. His handler can. But, you know, for the most part, I think that they're keeping pretty quiet and staying above the fray. And I think that that's the best that they can do. Yeah. There's so much going on in their family right now, and you know that as well as we do. Um, given all of the, the news stories that have been out there lately, um, what is the most compelling to you, and what do you think um, you'll be following along with in the coming weeks? You know, uh, what is most compelling to me? Well, this is so tacky, but I am obsessed with the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, and it is a defamation <laughs> case. And it's a defamation case. And what Samantha is trying to go after Megan about is defamation. So I've been watching the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, trying to imagine this as Samantha versus Megan, 
because I, you know, this is exactly what Samantha is pursuing. Now, Megan does not want this, not even in the least. Um, so I am really fascinated by what could come out of that because Samantha says that she was defamed in the, the in finding freedom and throughout some, I, I think in the Oprah interview too, when Megan says, I don't know this woman. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that's really interesting to me. And I look forward to seeing what comes to fruition there. But I, I, and I, I mean, honestly, the easiest, the easiest answer is what's my least favorite story. And that's Prince Andrew. If I never heard about him again, I would be thrilled. Amen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, uh, I, I guess, I guess we're in this really exciting time right now because we are seeing. While I don't think that Queen Elizabeth will ever say, "Here, Charles, take the throne," we are seeing her give him a lot more responsibility, and we're starting to see the King Charles Regency come into play. We're just getting bits and pieces of what that might look like, and um, you know my lifetime, your lifetime, even my dad's lifetime, it's always been Queen Elizabeth. So to imagine a new monarch is really, really interesting. I I can't. I'm not there yet. I'm not, even though, <laughs> even though we're starting to see so many glimpses of it, it's just, it's, it's not going to be real until it's real. And then even then it will take time to sink right. in. Agree. Well, we're going to obviously have to have you back because we love you and we just have so much more to talk about. But as we start to close our time with you, we'd love it if you play a game of Royal Rapid Fire with us. So oh, would you scary. be down for that? Let's, that's no, terrifying. No Let's scary. go. No scary. Okay. So without thinking too much, tell us the following. First, your royal, your favorite royal related movie. Oh, um, my favorite royal related movie probably oh don't you please don't be mad at me but the um lifetime william and kate movie <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen that one in a, in a long time wait the one around their wedding yes i'm gonna have to go back and watch that but i i don't remember it being it's definitely not as bad as the harry and megan ones right like no it's it's super cute and cheesy and i just wish i'm just like living vicariously through you know the kate character every second of the day i'm like wow what a great life I might have to rewatch that this weekend over Memorial Day weekend. Okay, your thoughts on Spencer, another royal related movie? Uh, I, you know, I just don't like anything that makes Princess Diana look unhinged. The wardrobe was great. the 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 scenery was beautiful, but um, it was not my favorite. How about your favorite royal related book? Ooh, um, Diana, her true story by Andrew Morton, who I love. The OG, we've had Andrew Morton on the show, and you've had Andrew Morton on your show, and he is. Oh, I love him. I I met him. I met him in real life, and he he went for the double kiss, and I didn't know what was going on, and we almost kissed in real life. It was like the greatest. I mean, it was the most embarrassing thing, but it was like the greatest. My my fiance was there, and he was like, "That was so embarrassing for you." <laughs> I was like, "Leave me alone." <laughs> Can I say something so inappropriate? This is Rachel, by the way, just to clarify for our new listeners. Uh, before I say this very inappropriate thing, um, Andrew Morton's voice is so sexy that I wouldn't mind if he did kiss me on the lips but I think he's married so never mind forget I said he is that, so. he is married and he but he does have a very handsome voice I totally oh my agree goodness with you. oh my gosh okay dream guest on to die for daily you've already had him so who else would you like to have can I just be shady right now I would love I know to what you're that. gonna say <laughs> Do you, I was gonna I was gonna say well actually I was gonna say I don't know if you know this I was gonna say I'd love to have Paul Burrell but he won't do it unless I pay him and I think that's crazy Ooh, oh I thought you were gonna say Tina Brown oh yeah oh yeah I would love to have yeah I would love to have Tina Brown but I reached out to Paul and I've given Paul I mean I write about Paul all the time and Paul has a weird reputation you know it really depends on who you talk to and I wanted to just be super positive and uplifting about him I love his book he's so catty I get it I'm into it um and I really just wanted I wanted to talk to him about his book by the way uh, for any author out there if somebody contacts you and says I'd like to talk to you about a book you wrote 10 years ago the answer is not well, I'm no longer publicizing that book if if we talk about it on a podcast mm -hmm. that means for the next 20 years somebody might buy your book because they stumble upon the podcast i mean yeah. it's a great idea but anyway uh, that wasn't his answer it's been the answer to robert lacy it's been the answer to previous authors but um 
with him specifically, he wanted to know my budget. I get it. I, you know, I think he still runs a flower shop and he's just trying to, <laughs> you know, whatever. But I, I don't have a budget. I do this because I'm passionate about it. And I would like to promote you. I'd like to talk about your book. And anytime I help, like anytime we put your name out there, there is somebody that's going to purchase your book that hadn't thought about it before or is convinced after listening to the podcast. So I was disappointed that he wanted moolah for um a little chit chat but you know god bless him we've run not with him we've never asked him but we've run into that with other royal experts as well and we've we've never we don't have a budget for paying guests either we've never paid a guest we never will that's not that's we don't want to i don't i just speak for jessica we don't want to do business that way so that's yeah. that's disappointing okay back to the royal rapid fire that is not a, ro- a royal rapid fire <laughs> the opposite of royal rapid no, fire i love it i love it who would you most want to have tea with other than diana in the royal family Oh, you know what? I just would love to stare at Prince William for the, you know, like for all of eternity. Yeah. So, I mean, although I think Catherine's the more appropriate answer. Uh, as a 13-year-old girl, I thought I was going to marry Prince William. So, obviously, yep. it's Prince same, William. Same, 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 same. That, that was one of my entry points into royal life was just a big diehard crush on Prince William. So, I feel you. <laughs> okay, describe Diana in three words. Oh, bright, uh, bright naughty and hilarious and give me I, I love it and top three standout diana fashion moments there's a million to choose from there are a million to choose from and i i'd say um i i have a polka dot outfit i'm not sure if it's going to be the derby outfit but i did get a polka dot outfit for jubilee and that is 110 percent inspired by princess diana so i loved the way she wore polka dots and when she wore even maternity polka dots i loved i love her hats and i i will say my hat for ju well my two hat i have a couple of hats for jubilee but one of them is inspired by Catherine because I just don't even know where she gets this. Her hats are insane. Mm -hmm. Um, But Diana had really great hats and I loved the way that she wore them. Um, And then I really loved when she did that. I've never been able to, oh no, I should say, I I have so many of her stupid sweaters, you guys. I have every one of the warm and wonderful sweaters. Yes, yes, yes. I love this. Yeah. I have every single one of those. I have the, I have the, I'm, I'm, I'm a luxury. I had one made that looks like the I'm a luxury that says to die for. So obviously her sweaters are, uh, you know, biblical. So last one, other than Diana, which royal style do you most gravitate towards? The queen. <laughs> colors everywhere. Yeah, I'm, I mean, that's definitely my scene is like bright colors. Um, you know, comfort. I'm, I'm all about those flat heels she wears. Uh, so I would say probably the queen. I mean, I really love the way that Kate dresses, but Kate has that, um, has a very specific body type and I'm not being critical, but Kate has that almost that Alice and Olivia. If you ever look at their models, they all have that same body type. That's very straight body type. And I, you know, was, some might say blessed, I say cursed with that like Kardashian hourglass figure. So I can't, although I would love to wear Kate's outfits, I would never look like her. I would look like um, I had on one of those crazy Victorian era corsets if I tried <laughs> to do that because my hips are so wide. I don't think there could be two more different body types than mine and Kate Middleton's. And so I, <laughs> I, I feel that 100%. Yes, yeah, yeah. Look, this has been so much fun. Kenzie, we've really enjoyed having you today and we appreciate you visiting our podcast. It's always fun to have a fellow Southerner on with us. Mm-hmm. So to our listeners, we'll drop the pre-order link for our is for revenge dress in our show notes. And um, as a reminder, it comes out in November. Uh, and thanks again for being here. Thank you. I, I mean, can't wait to listen to more podcast episodes of yours and you guys are just joy. You are, we're going to have to have you back. This was not near enough. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, ladies. So Kinsey was such a great guest. I really enjoyed talking with her and hearing her perspective on the Royals. Um, I enjoyed having a fellow Southerner on the show, as I said, and, you know, she mentioned that uh, she liked how we sound like a couple of friends chatting um, as we are. And and I felt that way with her. It felt like having another friend on the show. Um, She is definitely welcome to come back. And um, I I really enjoyed it. Did you, Rachel? Oh, she was a blast. We're for sure going to 
have her back and we're actually going to appear on a future episode of her show. So we'll for sure uh, link that and talk about that when that happens. Definitely. Listeners, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. Email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. And please follow, rate, and review our podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into episode 62 of Podcast Royal. Bye. Bye.